everyone, and welcome to the Malthouse Games Podcast. My name is Delton. I'll be your host this Thursday afternoon, and with me, as usual, is my yellow player and lovely wife, Haley. Aw, thanks. Also, I love that you're playing that song now whenever we record. Like, used to, he would put it in after we recorded, but it just, like... It kind of grounds you, orients you, puts you in the mood to do some podcasting. It does. It gets you in that mode of, all right, it's podcast time. And it helps, too, that we've got the beers right next to me. Oh, God. We're doing it live, Cotton. I think everything's okay. I think I saved it. The rug is fine today. We're starting off with some moose drool. Oh, God. Starting off with a glass of foam. <laughs> That's what we're starting off with. Well, at least you did it in your mug. I gave Delton the mug that says Delton, so he knows which one is his. So he cannot try and pawn that one off on me. Uh, was it Zach that gave me that? I, I want to say it that, was. That was Zach that gave me with that. With the cufflinks? Yes, it was a tie clip. Ah, for nice. For his wedding, because I was one of the, I was going to say one of the best men, one of the groomsmen. I got a bracelet and a bath bomb and wine for being Sarah's. It was great. So the first, I guess I should introduce the podcast. Welcome to the Malthouse Games podcast. This is a podcast all about board games, card games, role-playing games, tabletop games, things of that sort, as well as beer. We like to have two different beers with the episode. This is the first beer of the episode. is from Big Sky Brewing Co., who we've had a lot on in the past several episodes, or at least, I guess, three by the looks of it. This is their brown ale called Moose Drool. Drool. That's a weird word to try to say slowly. Drool. Moose drool. I feel like you automatically have to say it with a hick accent. Drool. 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 Yep. Uh, it's a brown ale. L? Alcohol is 5.2% by volume. Uh, there is no flavor descriptors on this can. It is made in Missoula, Montana. Tastes like a moose. I really hope this is not what moose drool tastes like. Because that means somebody would have to have tasted moose drool to get the idea for the beer. Oh, someone has. I, I bet you someone has. It's very brown. It's got a very brown color. Like a hazelnut color. You can't see through it, but where the light hits the edges, it gives it a nice deep amber. Yes. It's very, like, foamy on top. That's the crazy thing head. about this one, is that I feel like most brown ales are a little less foamy yeah. on top, where this one is very foamy. It does kind of look like drool. It's got great head retention. You ever did like calf, you ever saw like calf slobber? Yeah, it's just all foamy and all bubbly. foamy and bubbly. That's yeah. what this looks like, so I can see where they get moose drool from. It has almost a little bit of a nutty smell. I'm sure that that is just appetizing for our listeners. This looks 100%. like calf slobber. 100%. They're like, oh, animal slobber, gross. Delicious. Now we're going to go buy that beer. hoo hoo. It does have a real sweet smell to it. Very nutty afterbirth. It has a clean, like even though it's carbonated, I feel like the carbonation comes out in the head. But when you take a drink, you don't get overly carbonated as much as you would expect with how much head retention. I feel like most, if not all, of the flavor is in the aftertaste. A lot of it is for sure. Like you drink it, you feel that carbonation. Yeah. It feels smooth on the tongue. It's very light. But then once you swallow, that's when you get that burst of flavor. Yeah, once you swallow and it empties, you, you do, you get, it's a lot of malt. You get like a very forward malt flavor. You get, to me, a tiny bit of like a nuttiness, mm -hmm. which I like. Uh, that's really good, though. I mean, it's a solid brown ale. Not super high on hops. If you're not a hop head, you want something a little sweeter, it's a really a good beer. Very much. Here, here, clink, clink. Clinkity clink. Ooh, that was a lot louder than I thought it was going to be. I'm that's sorry. Because when you do that... <laughs> It goes through the little rubber thing. I'm sorry. 
and then it shakes those uh, springs on your mic stand. I tried so hard to not make any loud noises this podcast, and I think there's already been three spots no, you're going to you, have to tone down. You tried to make that loud noise. I watched I you look at the table and get ready to hit your beer on I, the table. The reason why I looked at the table is because I was like, I'm going to do this gently. Shoot. And then that's what happened. Nope. That was that, gentle. I don't know my own strength. Too much jujitsu. Blame Brian. <laughs> that's why this is, uh, this is when we record, <laughs> it's generally a don't touch the desk unless you have to. And if I'm putting something down, it's on top of three different mouse pads stacked where there's a big cushion of rubber. Well, share one of those mouse pads over here. No. <laughs> I don't want to get beer on it. I, oh. lo- I love my mouse pads. Anyway, it's been, I don't know, two weeks now since the last episode. And I have horrible news. What's that? All my plants, but my lettuce and my onions and my garlic are dead. Yes. We had a freeze. We did have a weird freeze. Last week, and everything died. The Farmer's Almanac did not prepare me for this. It has failed me. I know it's just a guesstimation, but I was so sad. So, moment of silence. Anyway. No! (laughs) Thank Uh, you. What all's been going on in our lives? So, been busy little bee. I have been on, let's see, we were on Alan's uh, podcast or YouTube show again. Yeah, you were on it. I was a game player, but you were the guest. Yeah, so I got to talk about mental health, and we got to play some board games, which was a lot of fun. I'm going to be on another podcast tonight, uh, Decisiones Rebeles, I think. Rebe- yeah, it's a Rebellious Decisions, my friend Eduardo show. Eduardo from college, the one who taught me how to move my hips when I dance, because I could not. I was very, very... Stiff. Stiff. But he taught me how to dance in college, and he reached out to me, and he said, Hey, you're a therapist. I have this podcast. Would you be on it? And I said, Sure. So immediately after we finish recording this, I have to bounce to the other room and log on and be ready to be on another. Yes. They drink tequila on that show. We drink beer. Oh, boy. Yeah. yeah. So I don't have any tequila, so I'm going to tap out, especially since I've had beer here. Yeah. Because no one wants to, me to be on a podcast after that many beverages. After, uh, once we crank the second beer, just don't finish it and take the last of it with you. There we go. And that way you have a little bit of something to say. I can do that. But Yeah. So just Bill Nettle, I had another publication in the Frontier, which is a, it's a local independent journalism news website type, Dumo Flachi, and I was asked to do a guest column. So did that. I feel like I've been speaking and writing at everyone lately, and it's been a really good problem to have. But man, I am tired and ready for a break. We need a nap. A nap. A big nap or several naps in one day. Eight naps. An eight-hour nap. Yes. I say after we record the second podcast tonight, we take an eight-hour nap. That sounds good. After dessert. After dessert. We have to have dessert, yes. What have you been up to? Not a whole heck of a lot. Mostly just working, watching wrestling, and that's been pretty much it, I think. Aside from that, uh, investing in the stock market a little bit. Oh, yeah. With my IRA that I have from my old 401k that got rolled over into an IRA after I quit mid-first. And I have 10 bucks I put in the Robin Hood app. Yeah, and I have 10 bucks in there too. <laughs> <laughs> That's been pretty much it. Stonks. Since it is stonks time, since you've got another podcast to get to, let's move past the banter here into the game so we can get moving. Call us Vladimir Putin because we're Russian. Oh, here's the door. It's straight ahead. It's, it's a game. Today's episode with Haley's horrible transition pun thing there, (laughs) is the game Kremlin, the classic game of intrigue, deception, and Russian politics. 
Kremlin, uh, this version at least, was a Kickstarter at some point. It is uh, published by Jolly Roger Games. The original designer was Urs Hotstetler. The artist is Clay Gardner. And that's the only credits on Board Game Geek. He tried to open up the game, but he realized he put the rule book underneath all the components. And And I didn't want to fight it. Yeah. It already made me mad. You have to choose your battles in life, and that was one that we were not going to win. I usually put the rule books on top if I'm going to use them again, or if like it's a game I haven't learned. But once I've learned the game, it goes behind the components. He said if you're going to use it again. Foreshadowing! I know, and I didn't. Dun, dun, dun. Da-da. Anyway, this is Kremlin. Uh, this is a wacky game based on uh, basically the Russian government. Uh, in this version, which is the third edition, that was the Kickstarter limited edition, it has three versions of the game. The standard game, the 1928 game, and the modern game. Each of them have their own separate little pieces of rules that make them different than the other versions. I don't know all about all that. We played the modern game, which was because it was people that we knew as politicians. Uh, One of them has falsified politicians. One of them has, I think, a mixture of the two, real and false. And then this one has all true. I think the second one is just the... uh basically pre-1960s, because it has, like, okay. Vladimir Lenin, Stalin, all those fun people, Khrushchev. Okay, well, and one then, of them also has some fabricated people. I think the people. one is completely fabricated. Probably the standard game, as it's called. Probably so. I don't know. We played the modern version. We played modern. Anyway, the way Kremlin works is you have a board that is going to have the basically the head leader of the Russian government, of the Kremlin, and what was their op- like chief officer? Uh, the KGB officer. Well, there was the big guy up top, which was like the chief officer. Then there was KGB, foreign director, and defense. Party chief? Party chair? Party chief. Party chief? Yeah. It was party chief, and then there was KGB head, uh, like the head of foreign affairs, and like the head of defense. Yes. And then there were four more things below that, which was just like economy. Sports. Sports, blah, blah. And then there were some more people below it as candidates for seats, and then there was the people. Anyway, the way the game is going to work is you get a giant sheet of paper. Uh, you pick the, basically, section for your game, so in our case, the modern game. You then assign points that is potential influence that you don't let others know that you can use to influence these politicians. You will be putting a 10 on one of the politicians' names. You'll be putting a 9 on one, an 8, a 7, a 6, a 5, a 4, a 3, a 2, a 1. So you have 1 through 10 points on 10 separate politicians. So during the game at any time, if it's, a let's say... The politician that you put eight points on happens to be the KGB head, and it is time to uh, purge people and try to basically like eliminate or assassinate or remove somebody from office. You can then say, okay, I'm going to go ahead and put an influence on this KGB head. If Haley also put influence on that same politician by chance, she could say, I'm going to put two. I could say, I'm going to put three. And as soon as someone isn't beat... Uh, everybody puts their last amount of dedicated influence. So in that case, I would put two, Haley, or three, Haley would put two, and I would be able to control the KGB head's actions. So it's kind of a neat idea. I think that was my favorite thing the game had, was being able to hide how much influence you had for what politicians during the game until it was beneficial for yourself to say, this guy is someone who I can control. So during the game, it basically goes through a bunch of phases of they get older, 
The party chief gets older for being in office. It's a stressful position. I love that they, it ages all of the characters. I love yeah. it so much. If they have bad health, they could be ill. They could be sick or they could be ill, I think is the, the terms. There's basically two levels. And if they get a third, you know, one of those sickness tokens or whatever, then they They're die. They're dead. So they also age one for each of those tokens on them. You have the ability to send them to the sanatorium to help them get better. They're trying to heal up in the hospital, essentially, but then they're inactive for the round, so you can't use their position of power if you have influence. All that good stuff. You go through a bunch of phases, purging people, uh, establishing, like, if somebody gets purged or if somebody dies of old age or something, uh, people are going to be voted into those positions, and if not, they're going to move up by seniority. All that kind of stuff happens. Then at the very end, whoever has the most influence on the party chief, uh, he is going to make a roll for waving in the red square for the yearly parade in like October, I think it says. Mm -hmm. And if you are successful, you get to place your token on the turn track and the game ends once somebody gets three successful waves with the party chief under their influence. Or if it goes through the 10th round, it's whoever has the most points. I think the October significance is the Bolshevik Revolution. I think that's when it started. Oh, I don't know. It's October 17, 1917. There you go. Yeah. I wouldn't know. Correct me, internet. They probably will if it's <laughs> wrong. But anyway, the game is, it's, it's super wacky. My favorite thing is the hidden influence. I think that's a very cool idea of not letting people know how much or who you have potential influence over until a time when you can say, all right, you know what? Here's some influence. I did leave out, there are cards in this game. Uh, what were the cards called? Shoot. We used them like once. I think I played a card the whole whole time. Uh, don't really recommend this one two player. Yeah. I think this is a three to four player kind of game where there's going to be people sort of betting and fighting over influence and stuff like that. Yeah. But uh, like Delton said, like you, you kind of have to play the long game. You want to get your people in power. You want to have the most power over who is ever in power. And the thing is, you have to assign who you're going to like put your influence on before the cards even come out. So it gives you a sheet of paper. There's, what, 35, 36? Something like that. And so you have to assign power. You just have to hope that your people come out. And if your people come out, people that you have influence on or could get influence on, you have to try to move them up the ranks. And so you might start off and you only have people in the bottom of the rank, which is the candidates. And so you have to strategically make it to where you can put your people up the ranks. Now, people can either move up the ranks by being pulled up by the KGB, by the party chair, or they can age their way up. The most, the oldest person at the end of the round does get to move up. And so uh, I really enjoyed that part of it. You had to kind of play the long game, move your people up. You had to get people in their right seats in power because then it became really easy to move everyone up. I had influence in the party chief or the KGB pretty early, and that helped me to be able to move my people up quickly. It did, and that way whenever my party chief influenced guy died, you were able to move your person up, and then boom, 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 first three rounds, you win the game. I did. So it was super fast. Uh, aside from the influence aspect of this game and your hidden influence on the politicians, I was not a fan of this game. This is one of the few games, if not maybe the only game that I've talked about on here that I'm just like, no thanks. Splendor. Uh, okay, Splendor too. I don't know if we've actually covered Splendor. We can. But, yeah. But yes, uh, the one of my biggest complaints with this game is the rule book is hot garbage. I hate saying that, but it's 2014. You think it'd be a little better? This rule book is bad. So many questions, and it's so wordy and lengthy. 
And an issue I had too was on the board, it had little quick things to try to help you, but those were so hard to decipher. And like, if you do certain actions, the person doing the action, so if the KGB head tries to uh, take somebody to trial, they have to gain so many years of, on their life. Well, on the board, I think we figured out that what years were notated as was plus one or however many SP. The rule book, as far as I could find, does not once state what SP stands for. And some of those quick guides on the board were covered by graphic design. At the very top, there was one. Uh, it just, this game does not click for me at all. Um, the dice rolling doesn't bother me. I thought the dice rolling was to a minimum and also used in a good spot. Um, I loved the influence play of it. I liked that the cards could be played mostly any time to influence the game. It feels like if you had a group that liked it and everybody understood the rules well, this could be a wacky, finger-pointy, crazy kind of game. But in the end, it came out to be one that I just, for me, it fell apart. And so, like, when it comes to, like, my person being the KGB person, I felt like that gave me a leg up really quickly. Yeah. Like, I was able to appoint people really quickly. And, and a lot of it was luck, too. People, ate, like, the chairman uh, aged and died pretty early. And so I was able to appoint somebody else, someone else able to move up there. But I feel like once you're at the top, it's easy to stay at the top. Because I controlled, uh, what, three or four of the five at the top? At least three. I, I, I think so, yes, because, and that was part of the thing I think that bugged me too is uh, there's technically a section that's the people, and the people can be brought up and to be candidates and then be promoted up again. And this game technically uses a voting system, but with only two players, if one of them has no influence on the board, which was my case, no new politicians coming out, I had no way to get influence on the board, and I had no voting control. So I feel like that uh, there is an official rule set on Board Game Geek from the designer, I think, or something that's a one and two player variant where it uses like a dummy player to help. And I feel like that would have been beneficial for me. Uh, and it's not that I absolutely straight out hate the game. It was just really hard for me to like, I don't know, I felt like it fell apart in so many places and the rule book didn't help me fix those parts that for me, it just did not come together as something that I enjoyed. It was chaotic and power-wielding as Russian government in the that's, USSR. That's probably about right, yes. My <laughs> influence points probably added up to 144%. Yes, absolutely. Mm -hmm. That's why I kept, I kept staying in power for so many rounds. That's what it was? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, do you think that you'd play it again? Hey, what can I get you? I'd like a topic. Any special way? Make it a top-shelf topic. Coming up. Enjoy. So the topic for today, as Haley's uh, great transition alludes to, is... And your foreshadowing. And my foreshadowing is uh, a topic we're going to call second chances, which is what makes you determine giving or not giving a game a second chance. Uh, so for me, because we Kremlin is right up there, this is one of those games that after playing it for, what was it, 45, 50 minutes, which is about what it estimated. I think it was 44, maybe. It was like 40, basically right at the 45-minute mark. Playing it for that long, looking at the rule book, answering questions through Board Game Geek, trying to figure out the quick, helpful things on the board, all that stuff. After going through all of it, I do not feel like I have a better grasp of the game after playing. I felt like the moment I finished reading the rule book to the moment I finished playing is about the same. That, to me, makes me not want to reattempt the game because I feel like if I couldn't, because, I mean, as many games as I've played, generally reading the rulebook, setting it up, and playing it, by the end of it, I'm like, all right, I'm good. 
Now, Lisboa is kind of a different example. That's a hard game to grasp. And I feel like now I could go in and truly grasp it. Kremlin, I feel like I would Firmly go back through. It. Did I say truly? For, oh, I was just making my oh. job reference. Firmly grasp it. Oh, okay, whatever. <laughs> I feel like I could go back through Kremlin and still not truly get how the game's, not even how to play it, but the rule set, I feel like is what I'm missing, is what what is not happening here. So it's just, Kremlin is just a game that I think, I think it's just not for me, and that's kind of the end of it. Well, that's okay, and that makes sense. I think we kind of talked about, like, going back to Lisboa, that game's not for me either. Like, if you asked me to play it again, I would, but the only reason I'd be playing it again is because you asked me to. I'm not going to be like, oh, I want to try it again to figure it out, because I just didn't like it. And so is this one where you just never want to play it again, like Splendor, or is it one that you'd play it again if, like, I asked you to or someone asked to bring it off the shelf? The, the, this would have to be a game where we sit down at a table and there's three or four other people and they say, we love this game, would you like to play? Because then I know all of them understand it, I know the rules are going to be done correctly, I know that they're going to get it and they can help me get through it. That would be a yes, but if we're here and we have a game day and somebody says, I really want to play Kremlin, I'm going to say, sorry, no, I don't yeah. want to play Kremlin. But like that's one thing where with Splendor, not a fan of Splendor, but if someone brought it out and said, hey, you want to play Splendor, the game takes 25 minutes, I'll play it. And I don't like it, I'm not a fan of it, but I would play it. Not with you, I'd rather play Azul with you. My mouth is wide open right agape. now. Just agape. Agape. I'm not a Splendor fan, I'm That's really okay. not. But I'm not, like, this is, this is probably the most I've disliked a game in a long time. Yeah. And that's okay. So, so for you, it's if the rules don't make a lot of sense, if we... If it doesn't quite click, not that you can't get it, but of like it's not designed in a way that really allows it to click. Yeah. If it's a little too chaotic, uh, like right now, and it really doesn't seem like we had a lot of joy in the game either. I think I even said it at one point. I felt like you were reading off the rules and I was going through the motions of the game. Yes. I didn't feel like oh, there was a lot of times I was making decisions. It was maybe like the, I don't know, second round or something like that whenever I finally like made a decision. But then the rest, it was like, there's nine different things you do in a round. One of those nine actually made a decision. Everything else was just following the rules. Like, there wasn't a lot of engagement. That is exactly, yeah. And I'm wondering, like, if it goes on longer, if there's more engagement, if there's more people, if there's more engagement, more decision-making. But for you, two-player, this is a nah-fam. Two-player, definitely. Honestly, three is probably the same. Four-player might be where it starts to shine, four and five. But again, I think you would have to have people that already know the game to truly make like have fun in it because that's the thing is I, obviously we can understand games i mean what uh what was it we played the other day maracaibo i sat down read the rule book we rule book we played maracaibo and it wasn't but a few turns in and we were like all right we get this right you know maybe we didn't capitalize on certain things at the time but like it made sense and that's not i mean that's a fairly complex game right something like kremlin isn't complex but it's so take this step then take this step then take this step and they're supposed to be voting and all this hidden information and it felt like it was almost too much happening for what it was trying to be. It's like if they cut pieces out and it was only this hidden influence battle with something else, it could have worked. But having the hidden influence battle, the people who you're having to physically change the numbers above their heads by using tokens, and then there's voting, and then there's voting for this, and then there's voting for that, and then people do, and it was just like all this stuff happening, but none of it felt like it really needed to happen. Yeah, and I felt like a lot you know? of the voting was mine too because yeah. I control all of them. So it wasn't exactly. a voting, it was a, 
Oh, and, I make this decision. I'm going to put my friend. And like you've pointed out and we've pointed out the whole time, we played two-player. Yeah. It's probably not the best at all at two-player. Yes, it can hold it. I do not recommend that. I'm sure people love this game. We got this recommended to us by Cole Worley when we got to meet him at BGG Con in 2019. When I didn't realize it was Cole Worley. Yes. We went into the BGG Bazaar and we Haley had asked him, what communist-themed games do you know of, since he's such a history guy, uh, that you know you enjoy and we got 1989 which i think that's the one that gates picked up yes and passed to us and then kremlin haley found and picked it up and i think did we get something else uh, i, I think we got more but i think that's all of the yeah communism. that was all the commie games yeah so i mean it's not like we <laughs> backed the kickstarter and did all that kind of stuff on it but you know i'm glad i experienced the, it but i don't know that i want to experience it again yeah it's, it's kind of different than koileka because koileka there was that like random oh, element. Oh, yes, yes, yes. I was trying to remember that which game you're talking about. There is that random element. There are a lot of pieces you have to put out the board, but it the random chaotic feeling made sense. Yeah. This one, it just didn't click on the board game. Maybe part of the thing that doesn't click with this is your goal of winning the game is either have the most points, I forget even how you do that, or have control of the main guy for three different turns. Mm -hmm. And maybe that's just because that doesn't feel like much of a goal. Well, also, like, I you know? I got it pretty easily. You did, but, I mean, even if people are fighting over having control of the main guy, if the only thing preventing somebody from controlling him, like, if you had the most influence on him, I had the second most, Brian had the third most, then whoever has the KGB head can start a vote to assassinate him. That's the only way to get rid of him. Yeah. That or make him age by card play. Again, we didn't play with many cards because there wasn't actually opportunities to benefit from what we had. So I don't know. I don't know if it just it was just a bad scenario. Like the cards weren't right. The board pol politicians weren't right. We didn't pick the right people. Like I don't know exactly what went wrong, but uh, it's just tough because I feel like there's pieces in this game that I enjoy, like different aspects I think are good, but as a whole, it just doesn't work. So synopsis for what makes you not want to pick up a game again. Yeah. If it's too convoluted to the point where it doesn't make sense, it's not explained. Like, it can be convoluted if it's explained properly. Yeah. And uh, less chaotic and due to chance. Well, I mean, I tend to favor less chance in games, but we play stuff like Quacks of Quedlinburg right. and, like, what's a, what's a dice-heavy game you, that we play? You cultivate like that chance. I mean, that's true, but... That necessarily isn't the biggest. I think the biggest thing is it's convoluted, and if the rule book's bad, a bad rule book is the first sign that a game's not going to be great. So, what makes you uh, give a game another chance when you have a bad play? I guess it depends on what I feel makes the bad play. If I feel the game is bad, that makes a bad play, or if I feel like I just didn't have a great time because I was in a bad mood or I got beat really badly. Yeah, and I know. feel like that's something you can pick out. Yeah. Is if it's a bad play because you don't like the game, or if it's because we're in a bad mood, or yeah. it's because I destroyed you. I mean, that's the thing with Splendor is I, I learned after playing Splendor a lot that, like, I just don't care for the game. Simple enough. I've played it a lot of times. I know how the game functions, and I just don't think that it, I just don't think it's a kind of game for me. I have issues with it, and I don't necessarily think that the game is bad. I just don't think it's as good as it was hyped up to be for so many, so long before it came out. So I feel like this is by far our most negative episode we've ever had. I'm not trying to make it that way. It's just hard when you just really don't enjoy an experience. Right. 
But I wanted to talk about that because, yeah, for me to come back and play a game, if I can see this is a good game, X and, uh, you know, X, Y, and Z people enjoyed it that we played with, I will go back and play it again. Maybe I'm just missing something. But in a game like this where we both sit down, we're both confused, the rule book didn't completely clarify, we both came out going, uh, I don't know that I enjoyed that experience. That says something different, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So what about you, Haley? What makes you want to go back and play a game or not? If it's not, it's something like Sky Traders, which is racist. <laughs> I don't remember how to play the game. I just know it was racist and sexist, and so I will never touch that game again. I don't care how good it is. I will not touch it again. It made me too yeah, mad. Yeah, the artwork had some issues for sure. It was terrible. At, like The female character was an option like six turns in, and her boobs went up to her chin. That's not... That's well, not. she wasn't even a playable character. It was just like a card art. Right. Yeah. Or it's either you, you wait and see her... And in the meantime, enjoy these racist caricatures. I will never touch this game again. Which is why we got rid of it. Which is why we got rid of it. I didn't even want it on my shelf. Yeah. Now, as for playing it again, if I have a bad experience, um, you know, if I have a bad experience, I do have to, like you said, take inventory. Like, was it me who had the bad experience or is it a bad game? Whereas I playing with people who were being turds? Was I tired? Had I not had my caffeine for the day? Uh, what was going on? Or... Where, where I w- was I with good people and feeling good and the game just wasn't good. So I'm trying to think if there's anything like that I tried once. I think probably like 1960 Making of the President. The first time we played that whenever Delton like swept New York out from under me even though I was a goddamn Kennedy. Like that, you could make the argument that wasn't a, a good play. Like I, I lost all of a sudden. That was a big loss too. But I enjoyed the game and the experience so much. I was like, okay, this isn't, this isn't the game. This is the me. This is my experience with the game. It's not the game itself. Yeah, you were upset in that last final moment when I took the game from you in literally my last play. Yes. Yeah. Like, out from under me, swept, like, and we were still dating at that point, man. I must have really liked you. Uh, that was also a great game <laughs> session of, like, we were, that's how close the game was. Like, yeah. that was a big, awesome game, and it's one of my fondest memories of gaming. It's what, kind of what I say put, pulled you in. It it really was. I loved it so much. I loved the experience, and it had, like, it had something to do with the game. But it wasn't the game that brought the negative yes. reaction. Yes. It was the what happened in it. Yeah, it, it was you being beaten in the literally the last play of like an hour and a half, two hour game. Thank you for making that succinct. I feel like I was just You're rambling. You do for a it second. to me all the time. You have to. Do, or <laughs> I should say you do it for me all the time. So I have to do that for you here and there. You're doing so good. I got your therapist skill sharp. I hope so. <laughs> but yes. Yeah. So. I would give this game a second chance, and I think we have a little more to talk about with this game. And now, join us for a Malthouse Games podcast special, Bite Size Question. So, the, uh, but actually, oh, ho, ho, before we get to this question, let's do this beer. Haley, would you like to read the name of the beer, the beer company, and the little text on there? Moonrise, 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 Moonrise. Brewed for everyone by Neff, 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 Neff. Moonrise, a stout from the darker side of the moon. Ancho chili spice and dark chocolate flavors are balanced with the medium malt sweetness to produce a smooth chocolate mouthfeel with a hint of chili spiciness on the finish. Moonrise may represent the dark side, but it'll leave you feeling as warm, satisfied, and luminous as the full moon. Moon, moon, moon. So it is a super, super dark, definitely a stout. You can smell, it's almost like if you've ever smelled chocolate and chili together, it almost has a little bit of that smell, but definitely more on the chocolate side. Mm -hmm. 
Very malty. Dark as the moon. Dark as the dark side of the moon, that is. That is an interesting taste. It's not bad in any way. It's very sweet. Wow. Very chocolate. Mmm. There's, like I said, there's a little bit of malt in there, that kind of weedy maltiness. It's a spicy hot chocolate. Yeah, you get a little bit of that spice in the very back end. It almost lingers. Mm -hmm. Almost with the, like, I mistook it, mistook it, mistook it? Yeah, I mistook it. That sounds so weird. Mistook it. I thought that it was (laughs) just carbonation burn for a second. Like when you drink a soda, Mm -hmm. but it's not. It's still there. It lingers. It's a little bit of that tiny bit of chili on the back end. Mm. It reminds me of a hot chocolate I had at, there's a place called Brown's Coffee Shop in Tulsa, and I don't know if it's still around. I went there like 10 years ago. But they would make your hot chocolate. They would steam your milk, and with a mortar and pestle, they would break up ancho chilies and chocolate oh. pieces in, in the mortar and pestle, and they would pour the milk on top and stir it and melt it in. Best, I, they call it Mexican hot chocolate. Best I've ever had. That's what this tastes like. And this is from Tulsa, too. I wonder if yeah. they're friends. I don't know. Neff Brewing so far has not disappointed, and their artwork on their cans and graphic design is uh, for f- not to be super punny, but out of this world. Ah. It's all space themed for the most part, I think, and it's fantastically simple and great. Super well done. Uh, it's a good beer, though. Like, I'm not a huge fan of chocolate and chili, so that little bit of spice on the back, I'm not a giant fan of because I don't, I don't want spicy from my beers or my chocolate or my sweets. However, this is a good beer if that's something you enjoy. And for a stout, it's also not too thick. That is true. It's very, it's, it's light. It has that spicy cut, which I think it, makes it feel lighter. It's a little bit heavier than a porter, but I would say it's closer to the heft of a porter than a standard stout. Yes. If that makes any sense to you listeners out there. You beer enthusiasts. So after opening this beer now, we'll get to the crazy question of this episode to wrap us up. Haley, would you like to introduce this? Bang, marry, kill. Vladimir Putin. Vladimir Lenin. Joseph Stalin. I'm going to say, oh, I don't know which one's worse. Um, I'm going to say let's kill Putin. <laughs> let's kill Putin. Uh, let's marry Stalin. And let's bang Lenin. Because Stalin's mustache is glorious. <laughs> he, would, he would be the man of the house. Uh. Uh, Lenin, on the other hand, you know, experience it and move on. That's kind of my outlook there. What about you, Haley? Man, so I would kill Stalin because I mean that makes sense. Atrocities that pre- Lenin I'm, I'm warned pre- us about. I'm pretending those don't exist. Atrocities. I would marry Lenin. Probably have some good conversations. He was a very educated man. Yeah. He had a lot of good philosophy. Didn't really execute it that well because he didn't have any actual experience running a government. Yeah, but probably probably have some good like intellect there. And then bang Putin, because he can ride a bear. <laughs> he can ride a bear with no shirt on? <laughs> yes. You knew, you knew me. I knew, yes. yeah, I knew exactly <laughs> what was coming. Oh, my goodness. Wholesome family episode, Del. <sighs> Wholesome question that Haley came up with, by the way. <laughs> this was not my decision on the question. This was her. Hey, I brought it to the board. The board voted. That was because you controlled the whole board, so <laughs> there wasn't a vote to be had. Just like in Kremlin. It was rigged. <laughs> Thank you for tuning in to this Malthouse Games podcast episode 91. I want to give a big shout out to our Patreon supporters, our patrons, our backers, the people who give us money because they're great. Uh, I don't know why my brain had to pause for a second. Apparently, I'm very tired. So thank you so much to Allison, Alan, Jesse, Catherine, Cliff, and Jennifer. Thank you all for supporting us on patreon.com slash 
Malthouse Games, M-A-L-T-H-A-U-S Games. Feel free to go and check that out and see the small reward tiers that we have of shoutouts and tweets and things like that. Don't forget to head over to malthousegames.com. That is our website that tells you our favorite game, a little info about hot games in our minds right now. It shows you our latest content as well as a list of all the games that we have covered in depth on the podcast. You can always send us a question that you want us to answer on the show, a topic for us to cover, or tell us a game that you think we should look at, or even a name of a couple beers that we can try to find. You can do that by sending us an email, contact at malthousegames.com. You can even send it through social media if you'd like, where you also need to follow us. It is at Malthouse Games, M-A-L-T-H-A-U-S Games. You can find me personally at Delton Brack, D-E-L-T-O-N-B-R-A-C-K. You can find Haley at S-Q-U-I-R-R-E-L-L-Y-G-E-E-K. That is at Squirrely Geek. I think that covers everything. I already did Patreon backers. Haley's giving me a look. I couldn't remember. I'm sorry. I did Patreon backers to start this off. We did social media. We did the email. Like, share, and subscribe. All that good stuff. And check me out on the Ciziones Rebelles. That should release next week, I think. There you go. You can also find Haley on the Tuesday Night Games YouTube channel. She was the guest of honor talking about psychology recently, and Alan likes to do those streams every Tuesday night. He generally has a guest on and then a crew of people to play games. It only lasts about an hour, sometimes an hour ten. So be sure to check that out. I think that that's all for today. So until next time, sit back, relax, grab a drink, and play some games. See you folks later. Goodbye. Bye.